Welcome, Building Brands listeners. For our 19th episode, I'm joined by Michael Buston, Global Chief Growth Officer at Durasane. Durasane is a solid surface partner for designers to give their ideas the support they deserve without the fuss. Whether it's as simple as a sink or their wildest idea, they've got you covered. They're the creatives here to help you create. In this episode, Michael talks about how he and Durasane used brand strategy to differentiate itself as the company entered the American market and what key aspects of the strategy gave Durasane the ability to really connect with its audiences and build a community around the brand, allowing it to break through in a commoditized market. Enjoy the episode. If you're an owner or marketer in the building materials, manufacturing, distribution, or contracting spaces looking to set up your brand for success now and in the future, this is the podcast for you. On this show, we talk about brand and market strategies used in the real world that grow companies and truly connect with consumer audiences. So sit back, listen in, and let's get to it. Okay, welcome, Michael Buston, Global Chief Growth Officer at DuraSign. Uh, thanks for coming on. I found DuraSign online, and I was like, I have to reach out to these guys and, and talk to someone over there. And I was lucky enough to get introduced to you through the, the Mortar crew. So thanks for being on. It's awesome to, to get you here. I always like to start with the easy questions. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are, um, and then we can get into DuraSign a little bit, too. Well, cool. Well, well thank you very much, Tim, for having me on your podcast. I'm, I'm excited about this. And um uh, you know, you got, a, you got a great thing going. So, uh, yes, I'm, I'm Michael Buston, the uh, Chief Growth Officer for Durasane. A little bit about myself. I grew up in a, a building family. My dad was in the construction industry most of his life, especially construction. So um, I, I kind of grew up uh, uh, banging nails and bending metal. So throughout my childhood, I, I was always on and off job sites of various types. And again, growing up, you know, around my dad, it was all about kind of building and making things and usually with, a, with attention to detail and quality. So from there, I, I went into uh, when I went to college, uh, it's quite unique how I, where I started and where I am now. But uh, I went to school, uh, university and graduated both in physics and mechanical engineering. Hmm. And uh, yeah, so, so pretty, pretty crazy. So moved from upstate New York down to Albany, New York after graduation. From there... I worked for uh, General Electric uh, as a, a, a junior engineer on a special project. And after about a year or so dealing with, with uh, uh, kind of big corporate America, I started looking at, you know, what else can I do? And somebody had said to me at the time, hey, you'd be really good in construction project management. So I thought to myself, yeah, that's pretty cool. So I joined, joined this general construction company in Albany. And uh, at the time, I was the, the youngest uh, project coordinator. Uh, you know, I was a typical stereotype, you know, the, the young guy with the white hat, the clipboard. And uh, so that was baptism by fire. Mm-hmm. So that got me kind of into the professional world of, of, of construction. You know, from there, I uh, had an opportunity to move down to North Carolina, where I currently reside, uh, to start a site construction business for a gentleman in New York. And I uh, worked for the company for a little over a year and a half. And I decided to, you know, I'm, I'm going to explore this entrepreneurial thing a bit more. In, in the world of surfacing, there was a concrete, uh, using concrete materials was going on at the time. And there were a couple of uh, interesting people around the world that were doing some really beautiful stuff in, in, in concrete products and using them in, in interior projects. So I stumbled upon this gentleman in California and noticed that he was looking for a, a national sales director at the time. Contacted the gentleman, said, hey, I know about the industry, this and that. Long story short, he hired me uh, as his national sales director. And in that category of finished concrete products, architectural concrete products, um, it was the first of its kind to have, to have a, a, an outside sales director, national sales director. 
And at that time, it allowed me to really step foot into uh, some of the coolest uh, architectural um, design firms in the country. I've always loved architecture, always loved design. Design really is part of who I am. It runs through my veins since I was, a, a, you know, a, probably four or five years old. And it was an opportunity to really, you know, the, the people that I read about and I admired as far as architects and designers, it allowed me to, to walk into their offices and see how they operated. And, and that's when kind of the world opened up to me. I uh, did that for about a year and a half and was asked to move to San Francisco. And I said, wow, I love San Francisco now. Uh, so uh, be, being young and a little naive, I said, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get into this this world of concrete and, and I'm going to focus on the commercial industry. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to build a, big, a business that's bigger and badder than than anybody else, uh, really not knowing how hard it was. In, in 2012, I uh, had the opportunity to exit. I sold my interest. And you know, during that time, um, I really became obsessed with this thing called brand. And uh, in our industry, there, there were a couple of leading surfacing companies at the time that I really emulated. And, and one of them in particular, I, I just loved what they were doing. And, and, and they always seemed to have the greatest photography and the greatest materials and the greatest you know, uh, collaborations with architects and designers. It really opened up my eyes to what brand was all about. And when we had our business, we developed these, these cement-based composite materials that we applied a name to the material. And we did that purposely. So it was the company that made these materials. And that material then allowed us to go to architects and designers and get the material specified as uh, the sole material, hopefully with no alternatives or equals. Um, when the business was purchased um, during that time as well, uh, I also became obsessed with public relations and and the power of communication and how you know if you if you know how to talk to people and you're passionate excited about what you do, there's other people that are willing to write a story and tell the story. When you have that kind of third party validation as opposed to paying for an ad, uh, you know it means a lot more. And we had a lot of successes with a lot of product placements. Uh, and, and, and editorials and stories written about us and our company. And uh, one of the reasons when we were, when our business was purchased, one of the reasons uh, not only was for the material, the process we had, but it was also because uh, the person, the company that bought our business said, every time we open up a damn magazine, we see you guys in there. You guys <laughs> are doing really radical stuff. That was quite an interesting ride. It, it really taught me about business and really dove into all aspects of the design build world. Uh, when I sold the business in 2012, I said to myself, okay, now what? Uh, what do I do now? I want to break out of the, the, the building world and, and the architectural world a little bit. And I want to get into the world of branding and marketing. So I had a gentleman that I knew for probably 10 years, and he ran a boutique agency here in, in, Raleigh, in Raleigh, Durham, North Carolina. And I approached him and said, hey, I'm thinking about getting this world of of, of advertising and marketing. And, um, you know, I said, I really love the power of a brand. So I said, sure, why not? Let's do it. So uh, at, at year one, things kicked in and and um, I, I was with the company uh, for about six years. I headed up all new business um, uh, development. And for me, it was it was an incredible experience because we worked with firms as small as startups to multi-billion dollar uh, chemical companies and pharmaceutical companies. And what I learned during the way, and, our, and the agency specialized in uh, brand strategy first and great creative. 
creative executed against brand strategy. It gave me the opportunity to sit down to table uh, with people of all types, mostly C-suite executives and CEOs, again, from startup to multi-billion dollar. And what I learned at the time where I doubted myself when I had my business, where I, I always said to myself, you know, I'm not successful, I'm not successful because I equated success with money. I realized that all of these companies had the same issues that I had. I mean, and the issues were less than, you know, pretty much you can count them on one hand. So I put things in perspective, like, wow, we really did, you know, some great stuff back in the days and we were really on the right path. You know, we had the same problems that all these other companies have uh, with tens of thousands of people and, 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 and hundreds of millions of dollars. So in 2016, 17, I got in this personal branding kick. Most of us know Simon Sinek and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, the, the golden circle. And that video that circulated, the TED Talk video, I think from 2012, uh, where he's up on stage talking about the, you know, the, the what, how, and why, that, that was super powerful. And I stumbled upon that probably 2016, 15, 16 at the agency. And throughout my life, I, I've always wondered what I was all about. You know, some people go through that. And uh, when, I, when I saw Simon Sinek in, 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 the, in the Golden Circle, and I saw the why and the power of why, it really resonated with me personally as a personal brand and also uh, for a business, how important it is to know your why. So I embarked on a, on a personal branding project, and I, I assumed this nickname at the agency called the Bustinator. And it, it really allowed me to analyze who I am, what do I do? And we built some messaging around that and some key points around that and put together kind of a, a, a fun identity that uh, encapsulated who I was. And, and, and through this process of personal branding, I, I realized and articulated what what I was all about. And, 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 and what I realized is I really enjoyed helping other people be successful. And a, a mutual friend of, of uh, mine and, and the CEO of our company now contacted me and said, Mike, uh, I'm meeting with this, this, this company, Durathane, and uh, the CEO is talking about branding and marketing and all this crazy stuff. And, and she asked me if I knew anybody, and I thought of you, you know, so it'd be great if you could you know, fly up and, and, and meet with the CEO of this company. So we had a couple conversations and uh, she was very interested in me. And I, I was, I remember standing in my, my kitchen uh, with my wife and debating, what do I do? What do I do? And my wife said to me, Mike, you know, your personal brand is all about taking risks and busting through fear and success lies on the other side. You know, because of that, and because of my personal brand, you know, and purpose of helping others be successful, and because this, this person, the CEO, was faced against adversity and being a woman CEO uh, in America and growing a business and competing with Fortune 500 companies, you know, manufacturing the same material, through all of this, she says, you have to do this. And I'm like, damn, you're right. I mean, I, if I don't do this, then it goes against what I'm saying. And it's like a brand. If you're not authentic, you know, then, then you're fake. So I'm like, I have to do this. So at that point, I, I realized the power of brand personally, as well as business. That's kind of my transition of how I went through what I've done to, to where I am now. I've heard a lot of the story where someone's been exposed to building and construction and then ends up it's usually the entrepreneurial spirit, how they can actually like start to be part of the, the communication process and providing value. They're like, I love the construction industry. I'm not so much into the actual constructing part, <laughs> but I'm fascinated by it. But I love 
getting cool things in front of people when they end up in a, in a marketing communications yep. role. But tell us a little bit more about Duracell as a company in, in like a, a little bit of a summary so we can take that bridge into how you guys, you know, like you mentioned, it's a, a, a Chinese company working in an American market. And you said they had some things that they needed to work on. Tell us a little bit about the company really quick so we can roll into like that ramp up of why it was so important to get into the, the foundational brand stuff. Sure. Awesome. Yeah. So so the company Duracell is 21 years old, uh, started by husband and wife. They, they saw solid surface looking at surfacing for their home and 21 years ago and said, this is a really cool material and said, I want to do this. I want to make this material and I want to be the best in the world someday. Fast forward, since the inception in 1999, Duracane has been, and we continue to be, predominantly OEM manufacturers. So we actually specialize in manufacturing not only sheet materials, solid surface sheet materials, but we also specialize in what we call shapes. So sinks and bathtubs and, and shower systems and, and, and various vessels, sometimes furniture and that sort of thing, on an OEM basis. We ship to over 55 countries, a lot of European countries. We manufacture sinks and, and tubs. So all the modern, really cool sinks and tubs you see, uh, probably you know, we probably do a lot of them. In 2016, where the CEO said, we have, to, we have to break away a little bit from this OEM because others are telling us what they want and we do what they want. And you know, we want to have our own brand. We want to show the world it's time for us you know, to build our own brand. And so 2016, she said, why not in America? We had OEM clients in America for, for at least 10 or more years and said, hey, let's start the brand in America. Came over here, uh, hired some consultants, hired some, uh, let's call them experts from the industry that have been in the industry for many, many years and said, we're going to do this thing and we're going we're gonna to start our own brand. That's kind of how things started as far as the brand side of it. When I came into the picture, I think that the challenge was hiring people that have been in the industry for so long, they had a different perspective. You know, it was, it was kind of in the weeds. It was the inside out perspective as opposed to an outside in perspective. Mm -hmm. When I was talking to the CEO prior to coming on board and she was talking brand, 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 you know, I said, I, I just want you to know there's three things that we're going to need to build brand. It's time, money, and people. And I said, brand is not instantaneous. You know, brand takes a while. It's going to take three to five years till brand kicks in, till people understand what it is and start to resonate with others. I, I also like to say it's like a long-term equity investment too, because it's not like putting an ad on Google or an ad in a, a magazine. You're building something that will rise up and be a long-term impact that supports those other things. Absolutely. The, the analogy I use, which, which uh, I'm sure others do as well, is, and I say this frequently, is we're not out to win every single race. We're, you know, we're out to win the marathon. And, mm -hmm. and we will win the marathon. And we'll have, you know, we'll have some, some races that we win uh, short term. But you, you can't look at, at winning all the time. We're going to win the marathon. How do you actually define brand? I mean, everyone has like a little bit of a sentence description of, of what they, they view it as. How do you define it? Yeah. It, it, yeah. Like you said, I, I read at one point, you know, brand has, you know, professionally, uh, you know, 25 hardcore definitions, but there's hundreds of them. Yeah. And, and, and I, I, I equate it it's very, very simple. It's a consistent and continuous promise to your target audience. Mm -hmm. So that's it. The brand is about connecting with people. And it's about making a promise and delivering on that promise over and over and over again. And like you said, when you were going through your transitions from going from being in the construction market market to 
being someone that promotes and, and builds up other companies in that market, you made the decision to go to this company because you were following your own personal brand, which was like a little bit of a guiding light situation. Right. Like, well, this is what I say I believe right. <laughs> in because I believe in it. So I'm going to do it and follow my own instinct. Uh, but it also affects everything. I mean, it affects tons of areas of a company, not just the marketing, but you know, I'm sure you're using this across the board to keep everyone in a uniform path and a, a uniform direction. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, brand, you know, the, the way, the way I look at brand, I mean, uh, it's really interesting. And when I was at the agency, you hear either you're on the agency side or you're on the brand side. And I was on the agency side for six years. And now being on the brand side, it's really interesting because it puts so much in perspective and it connects all the dots. And and brand, I, I honestly, I don't know how companies survive or grow without brand in mind. And I've heard on, on a number of your podcasts, and, and, and I believe the same thing, that brand is much more than a logo. Brand is mm -hmm. much more than a color scheme. It's much more than a website. It's much more than doing a trade show and collateral. You know, brand is deeply rooted. It's the core of who you are. You know, it's just this, this almost this living entity that does grow, you know, it matures and it has a personality and it has values. It's something that connects at the heart level, you know, the mind level of individuals. And it is so powerful you know, to me, the interesting thing about brand and the power of brand, I find it fascinating how brand can really shape a company internally. You know, most mm -hmm. people think of brand on the outside, you know, consumer facing. To me, I'm, I'm more intrigued of how a brand can really almost design a business and shape a business internally from people, you know, to the culture, to everything you do. If you execute it against the brand, and you treat the brand like a person, an individual, and you ask the brand, hey, should we hire this person? Oh, the brand says no, because you don't fit these values and this personality, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it becomes a very, very valuable tool and a guiding light to shape the business you know, moving forward. And, and I think the important thing as well, too, is, is what I've learned is the alignment of strategies. You have to have some core that unites the various disciplines of a business and strategy. So when business strategy and brand strategy and marketing strategy and sales strategies are all aligned, that's when magic happens. You know, when those things are in sync, that's when a business really starts to succeed, become successful and happy. When someone asks, what do I get out of a brand strategy session, workshop, exercise, whatever engagement, that's the answer to that question. It's the clarity of the alignment, taking this beyond marketing into your operations and and how you're building culture internally too, not just your external communications. So that that is the answer to the, that value question. And it's hard for some people to grasp that. So, you know, these continuing conversations to, to educate them kind of shows them the way. And then hopefully we get them into our world because we love <laughs> working on this stuff. And, and it, it really does make a difference for people, you know, and it, it bleeds strikingly close to business strategy to the point where sometimes it's uncomfortable. We like to say we are people that could tell you how to take your product to the audience, but we can't tell you what the product should be. And right. when you get into brand strategy, sometimes you learn so much about the audience that you start to flirt with what products or services should be. And that's a little bit where it kind of shifts from marketing and brand to business and, and, and like strategic planning from that side. But they come eerily close. 
yeah, in some aspects. Absolutely. You know, it, it, when I was at the agency, you know, we used to say something similar. And the thing is, is, is businesses, you're, you're always in the weeds and you're looking at the competition and you're looking at it through the lens of others, including the competition, and you're comparing yourselves. And people lose focus of the target audience and the customer. Mm-hmm. And, and we'll, we would talk to people and we would say, you know, they're like, oh, I know, I know, I know. And we would question them. Do you know, or, you know, do you really know, or do you think you know? And, and having, you know, for us, and you touched upon this a little bit, the importance of the third party, you know, uh, or outside perspective, again, yeah. the outside in perspective, as opposed to the inside out. And which, was, which is why it was important for us. I mean, I've been in the industry for 25 years. I feel I know the industry really well, all facets uh, of the industry. But for us, it was it was important to get you know somebody else their perspective, and really less on us and more about the target audience and building this brand and persona around the target audience, while still encapsulating you know some of our personalities and, and values and what have you. So it's very important to to have that you know that outside perspective because professionals like yourself. Uh, look at brands and companies from a different perspective. And like you said, from a product perspective, we used to tell people like, we'll build awareness. I mean, you know, marketing wise, we're going to get eyeballs on us. Okay. And we're going to generate leads. Okay. But if your product or your service isn't good enough, mm. we can't fix that. So you know, there, there are instances where, you know, you have to change your product or your service, especially nowadays, because nowadays it's, it's pretty much table stakes to have good customer service, good pricing, a good product. So the differentiation comes into brand from that end of it, but you still have to have a really good product or service. Yeah, let's talk about that differentiation a little bit. This is a, a company that was doing OEM work in the country already, but by going down this brand route, they were trying to bring how they believed surfaces could improve builds and designs into the market and in a way that other people weren't talking about it. So how did brand contribute to that type of uh, approach to setting yourselves apart and start that path towards being the best surface company in the world, like their original goal is? Good question. I think for us, it started, there's no denying and no surprise, solid surface as a material has been around for over 50 years. Mm-hmm. And since that time, at one point, it was almost a, almost a billion dollar industry. One brand, one brand, almost a billion dollar in, a billion dollar in sales globally. And since then, over the last 50 years, you know, natural stone, engineered quartz, sintered stone, you know, on and on and on, porcelain. And solid surface kind of, you know, fell behind a little bit, especially in, in the residential market. So we looked at the industry and we looked at what the competition was doing and we noticed that it was a sleepy category. Not only that, but a, a lot of the competitors, the big name competitors that are part of most of them, multi-billion dollar companies, they have various materials in their portfolio. At Durasane, you know, we tell people um, while we're solid surface manufacturers, we're really solid surface people. We focus 100% on solid surface. So right, right out of the shoot, we had something different that 95%, 98% of the competition didn't have is we focus on one material. We saw it was a sleepy category. So you know, again, through our agency, uh, as well as, as internally, we did a, a fairly comprehensive market analysis, you know, looking at the competitive landscape, you know, what's a competition doing, everything from 
how they're promoting themselves, what they're talking about, identity, all of that stuff, mm-hmm. uh, including uh, marketplace opportunities. And part of that as well was you know communication. How are people communicating nowadays? Uh, and you know, there's no surprise that we all know that traditional media is, is waning. It has been for years. Now it's digital. It's voice. It's, it's you know, communication is changing you know, daily. So we looked at what everybody else was doing, and we interviewed heavily the target audience. And we saw for us, uh, as well as really the material itself in the category, the the emphasis was on the the architectural and design communities, the A and D communities, or designers as we call them. And through an extensive analysis, we saw all the pain points, basically, of architects and designers. So, you know, as, as we uh, accumulated all of the, the data and information, it allowed us then to construct a solid brand strategy that uh, had a defined value proposition, a defined purpose a defined core, you know, the core of our brand, the DNA of our brand, as well as values. We kind of blend core values into what we call active values. And then we have the personality. And out of all that, so out of all this this research and time and and strategic consultation from from you know from a great agency, we formed what we call the brand circle, or some call it the brand Bible. And mm-hmm. it's really, you know, it's a circle that has four parts to it with the core. It's broken out, you know, as I said, the, the, the purpose and the, the value prop at the center is the core. And then you have the values and the personality. And, and out of that as well came our messaging. And we noticed as well in the industry that the industry is very transactional. It's very product centric. Everybody talks about it. it's all about square sample colors. It's all about project installations. And it's all about features and benefits of the materials, period. You and know. still pricing. Oh yeah, well yeah, and well yeah, of course, of course, yeah, yeah, of course. It's it, it's usually price first. You know, it, it's from a from a design standpoint, it's usually visually first, color, texture yep. first, and then yeah. immediately price. Uh, but price really <laughs> almost always wins uh, on a, on a larger scale. So you know, we, we took all that into consideration. We also saw that there wasn't anybody really, and you know, speaking to the target audience. There's this idea of manufacturers, architectural material manufacturers, building you know material manufacturers, where we have to create pictures to inspire architects and designers, right? It's all about inspiration, inspiration. We kind of look at it differently. We look at it as, no, 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 designers or creators, creatives, actually, the work they do inspires us to develop and create these beautiful materials and products to give back to them to create the best work of their life. So you know, as you can see from our promotions, uh, online promotion, digital promotion, what have you, there's a consistent and, and a frankness to our messaging. And our messaging, yes, we sell products. So does everybody else. And yes, it's a commodity. So is everybody else's, right? But what sets us apart is our messaging that is 100% about the target audience. And it's, it's about us helping them do something better. So that, that's the difference. You know, again, we have a great material. We have great capacity, great capabilities. So does everybody else. So when it becomes, you know, us compared to them, how do you differ? That's where brand comes in because our materials are the same. They're really good quality. We have all pretty much the same colors and what have you. We develop new colors, but what really sets us apart, you know, again, are those brand attributes and, and, and the power of, of the brand. Yeah, and the industry is admittedly old. You're seeing new generations start to take over. And part of that is 
reinventing the company and people are turning to brand and new executions for communications to, to bridge that gap. Duracell isn't the only company doing this approach, but there are very few in a percentage out of the entire industry. And those are the, those are the companies rising to the top right now. And it helps to be niched down too, because you can actually really focus on very specific audiences with very specific pain points and a very quality product to put in front of them. But the one thing that you mentioned that we could move on to a little bit is this idea that you're taking inspiration from the community instead of trying to, I mean, force is a strong word, but force it onto them to inspire them to come to you. And I know that you do a lot in the using the brand to build community with your audiences too. And you have some outside sites and, and community sites that you, you're using to touch base with them too. But your site also talks about that a lot too. Your messaging and content development is is geared towards that. So why don't you talk a little bit about how you're engaging those audiences in that like communal fashion using sure. the brand? Yeah. So so I think it goes it goes back to the strategy and it really proves how powerful strategy brand can be where it allows us to explore new platforms and new communities and new devices and allows us to make you know quick and easy decisions whether or not we engage with them, we buy them or not. Our brand is driven by creatives and um, our, our messaging, which is, it, it's almost a tagline now, is we help creativity flow. Uh, mm-hmm. Help creativity flow in designers. Uh, we realize that designers, uh, there's, you know, you're a creative yourself. Designers and, and, and architects like to create. Problem is, is that with life, uh, the way the industry is, is it takes the fun out of creating because you're dealing with all the other daily activities, you know, building departments and legal issues and finances and pricing in, in increases and building the, you know, the building industry, what have you, weather and everything. For us, we realize that. And, and as we tell people, we're, we're more than just solid surface, we're actually here to help you as a creative do the best work of your life. And the best of the best work of your life doesn't have to be the most amazing architectural structure that you've ever seen. It could be something very small because you have designers that are big and small and you have projects that are big and small and a small designer doing a small project or a big designer doing a small project is just as important to them as, you know, a star architect doing something grand. Mm-hmm. So again, it's all about helping designers do the best work of their life to deliver on that promise and to really engage with the target audience. We have to be able to develop things, you know, tools and products uh, to help them do the best work of their life. So what do we do? As you said, there's some exterior uh, sources that we aligned ourselves with. One of them, everybody knows in the building industry now is Material Bank. And, you know, Material Bank, I knew about Material Bank for a number of years. And a year, a little over a year ago, I went to our CEO and said, we have to buy this platform. We have to jump on this. And of course, it's expensive. And it was like, well, well, I don't know. It's a lot of money. I said, not only is this the new revolution, I mean, this is changing the industry drastically. I said, but our brand is telling us we have to do this. Our values and our personality and our, and our purpose is telling us we have to do this. That pitch was so easy to sell You know, that platform, which we did that. Why did we do that? Because we understand our value prop actually is defined as where your creative partner understands what designers want. We help them get it. We understand that designers want things quick and easy. They want it when they want it. If all the designers are hopping on Material Bank, 
then damn it, we have to hop on material bank because that's mm-hmm. what they want. So again, it was it was not a decision of it wasn't looking at everybody else saying we have to do this because they're doing it. We have to do it because it's what our brand says. Same thing with mortar. You know, mortar came online, you know, showcasing, providing inspiration to the commercial industry, to designers. When mortar joined forces with material bank, again, we looked at it and said, we have to do this. You know, we have to do this because this is a tool that makes the designer's life easy. So everything we do, color development, we want to, we want to create colors and patterns that, that are on trend, that are, that are based on macro and micro global trends. So we, again, can give designers new materials to achieve the best work of their life. So all the messaging and everything we do, as you can see from something you know, like our Instagram, there's very, 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 very little product installations on here. And we get flack for that a little bit. You're like, why aren't you showing more products? Right? Because there's a lot of product installation shots out there. We, you know, we have that incorporated on our website and what have you. But it's, it's about the designer and truly resonating and talking and speaking to them that we understand what creatives go through and how important it is to help make their lives easier. It is all about community. It's about really focusing and narrowing down Uh, targeting that audience consistently and providing information to them, not providing cool materials to them just for the sake of cool materials, making their lives better and helping them get to a point where they're doing the best work of their life with or without our material. (laughs) Yeah. And if if you aren't meeting them where they're at, where are you meeting them? You're not. You're just putting things in front of them through forced advertisements. And you can't get to the point where you know where to meet them unless you put in the time and effort to understand them and then follow their pain points and journeys from everything that they're doing throughout their course of their job. The other thing you're doing to help with that too, is you're using the brand persona to sort of be the front to, to engage with them. Once you meet them in those areas, you're using the persona through your values and your voice and tone to be the right voice speaking with them and, and get having that like collaborative vibe when you're engaging on those platforms. The interesting thing as well, you know, you look at the industry and and there's a sales and marketing component to every industry, including ours. And they usually, in our world, there's usually an individual that has a title of sales and marketing, you know, director mm-hmm. of sales and marketing, VP of sales and marketing. And we say is trade shows and, and, and collateral and, and, and websites and that stuff, that's not marketing. You know, it's a, part, it's a form of marketing. You know, that's sales support. I mean, that's, you have to do that stuff. For us, when we look at everybody else, the, the interesting thing is, especially in this time, uh, you know, we're, we're all locked down and, and, and the world is what it is. Everything's digital and everybody's at, at a device. How do you create content that appeals to them? I mean, how many pictures of a bathroom, a kitchen, a lobby or whatever can you see over and over again? So for us, when you have the strategy, it almost it puts you in a box. But yet, when you're in that box, it's unlimited what you can do. But at mm-hmm. least it puts you in a box as, a, as opposed to oh, we're going to do a trade show. And what are we going to do this year? You know, last year we had uh, helicopters and whatever. This year we're going to have fire. We're going to have pyrotechnics. And, you know, you start to do things. You start to look around and you're confused where us, it's very clear. Ideas come to us like that. And our problem is, is just bandwidth. You know, it, it's resources because there's so many exciting things that we can do that keep building on our brand and building on our, our mission and building on our purpose and our messaging, it becomes super exciting and super focused. And even internally, when you're having conversations uh, you know, amongst management and leadership, uh, another important part of brand is it becomes this, as I said, you know, almost a person, almost a, a moderator, you know, where it eliminates a lot of frustration and confusion and aggravation and argument from conversations. Because I have my opinion, 
and you have your opinion and the brand manager has opinion and the sales director has their opinion. But in the end, it's all about what the brand says. And when you have this strategy that everybody agrees upon, leadership and the team agrees upon from the beginning, and then you execute off of that, there's no debate. And we've had conversations where it's, no, I'm right. You're right. I'm wrong. You know, okay, what does the brand say? Okay, easy. You know, it's over. Um, So it truly is a powerful element that ties the whole business together internally and externally. So if you had to sum up the most important thing that someone listening to this episode should take from this as something they should do for their brand right now, which thing would it be? I mean, there's... (laughs) You know, there, there's a there's a lot of items. Uh, we can't do another forty minutes. Yeah, no, I know. I know. <laughs> um, I, you know, I, I think it, it it boils down to the customer uh, or your target audience. I, I think you truly need to understand your customer. You have to love your customer. You have to immerse yourself in the customer's world. You have to understand their likes, their dislikes, their pain points, how they communicate. I think people lose track of what they're actually doing. And they get caught up in everything from marketing and sales and product development, looking at the competition, and they lose focus of the customer. The customer is changing. Their their communication habits, their buying habits, you know, everything is changing. And I I think it's really step back and, and, and look at your target audience and say, do we truly understand them? Are they the same target audience that we knew you know, 10 years ago, five years ago, last That's year. That's a very important point yeah. right there is the the legitimacy of the current state of that. Right. Absolutely. Client. Yeah, for sure. It's great that you've thought about this in the past, but if you don't look, I mean, with how technology is changing and communication channels are changing and even people's tastes in what products they like and how they like to buy, all that stuff changes constantly. You at least have to look at it, if not every year, every couple of years to just keep up to date with it. And a lot of the, you mentioned the early portion of this episode about how a lot of people say, oh yeah, we've thought about that. We know all that stuff. And when you challenge them, you know, as you've done in the past and as you do in the current company now, when you're re re, uh, addressing these things, you say, yes, but is that who they are now? And is this just the way you've always done it? Because when you're bringing in that outside source, like you've worked with an agency or, or you've been brought into a company as an outside source, what you're looking for is you want to be vetted and make sure that the current state is the right one, which still takes research to compare against it. Or you need to shift to what the research is telling you it's changed to. That outside perspective is what gives the like little extra bit of clarity. So Absolutely. you have to keep up with them. Any other final thoughts on that differentiation that you've used brand for? I, again, I think it's very important that people, that companies really, really ask themselves, do they have a brand or do they have a label? And mm-hmm. really truly understand what that means. I think it's very important as well to understand the importance of external agencies like yourself that can offer a unique perspective and tell you things that question you in a way that you've never been questioned and challenge you in a way you've never been challenged. I think that, you know, I think, I think that's really important. If you really, truly want to build a brand and go beyond just a logo and some cool looking stuff. And I think finally, to reinforce again, the power of strategy in business. And it's one thing to have a great product it's one thing to have you know, a, a good sales team, but if there isn't an alignment of all the different strategies, 
it's not going to work efficiently. It's going to be frustrating. And, you know, you're leaving a lot on the table. Whereas if all the strategies were aligned, the business becomes much more, you know, it's a well-oiled machine with a lot mm-hmm. more success and a lot more happiness, you know, internally, you know, employee-wise and externally as well. And like you said, you can move past the core questions of an issue because the brand will help satisfy the direction to go with that and concentrate on the details of the execution, which is much more fun for everyone to talk about anyways. So absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So uh, before we wrap up, where can people find you if they want to, the Bustinator? And where can they find out more about Durasane? Sure. Uh, well, well, the Bustinator is the Bustinator.com, actually. <laughs> and uh, also be found on, on Instagram at, at Michael Bustin and LinkedIn at Michael Bustin. Durasane is DurasaneUSA.com, uh, at Durasane Solid Surface for Instagram and Durasane Solid Surface on LinkedIn, as well as we're, we're across all, all the platforms. So you can pretty much find us anywhere. Cool. Well, this was great. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, awesome. Thank you very much. It's cool. Thanks. If you're interested in hearing more stories and strategic insights from industry experts, please subscribe to the Building Brands podcast on Apple, Spotify, or Google. If you've enjoyed this episode, please post a review and share with others who may be interested as well. Thanks for listening.